0: Amen. We'd like to welcome you. If you're a guest with us today, we'd like to welcome you this morning. We're so glad that you're here. And if you're watching us on TheAntioch.com, we welcome you this morning into our broadcast. We pray that you're blessed by what you see, hear, and feel this morning. Amen. If you have a Bible, would you turn with me to Leviticus chapter 11? Leviticus chapter 11. Adam, Adam, I may have to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to do last week's, this week. So I don't know if you have last week's slide. It's not a big deal if you don't. We can make it. Amen. If you ever read the Bible from cover to cover, uh, you'll find that there are certain parts that can be a little uh, laborious, especially if you ever read it in the King James. Some of the other versions make it a little more lively. But certainly Genesis is a very exciting book. It has a lot of things in it. The establishment of the patriarchs and all kinds of good juicy historical things that are in Genesis. And Exodus, same thing, has some really interesting uh, portions in it. But Leviticus and Numbers especially can get a little... little uh, uh, almost like trying to, to, to chew peanut butter sometimes. It can be a little little tedious when reading them in the King James and sometimes it's it's kind of easy to skip over those verses and uh, those those two books especially but there are some very interesting things that you will find there obviously it's the word of God so nothing can be thrown out but there's some things in both Leviticus and numbers that are very very important even for us today and uh, Leviticus 11 verse 44 says this for I am the Lord your God Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, for I am the Lord that bringeth you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. God bless you. You can be seated. Leviticus, uh, starting with chapter 11, going through verse to chapter 16, is uh, God's instructions to Moses on dealing with disease and infectious things. In fact, you can kind of call it maybe the CDC manual of Israel. It dealt with a, vi- a wide variety of different things and how to deal with certain types of disease. Because you see, for 430 years... Israel had been in bondage and when you're in bondage and you're in slavery as the Israelites were there were certain things that you didn't have to deal with you really don't care about disease when you don't know where your next meal is coming from and so when Israel is 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 set free and we know the story of Moses leading Israel out uh, by the hand in the direction of God and taking them Uh, across the red sea and things begin to change a little bit and and god begins to give instructions of how to live and what to do because you see when you're in slavery death is a welcomed friend but when you're free you want to live and so when these people have become free the Israelites become free god began to say listen if you're going to if you're going to live free, then you're going to have to do certain things that before you didn't have to do. So he began in Leviticus chapter 11 all the way really through 16, uh, beginning to tell them about how to handle disease and how to handle certain things and how to how to, how to properly wash and, and goes through a wide variety of, of things. It's quite interesting. In fact, I, I came across uh, something in my study where, where someone went through a comparison of today's scientific understanding and went back and compared it to the instructions that God gave in those uh, chapters of Leviticus. And there are certain things that God spoke to the Israelites in those chapters on how to handle certain things that they did, but they weren't done for thousands of years. And all of a sudden, some scientists discovers that this is the proper way of doing it, but it was already established in the Word of God thousands of years ago. But in Leviticus chapter 14 especially, God begins to deal with Moses on how to handle leprosy. He goes into how to handle two types of leprosy. First of all, he goes into how to handle the first type of leprosy, which we're all very familiar with, and that's the the leprosy... Of the physical man. And and just for a moment, I know we've done this before, but but just to paint the picture once again, because you have to understand this, to go back and understand exactly the the the, the whole psychological and and devastating effects that this disease had. Let's say you're out, you're a man and you're out plowing one day and you notice that there's a white spot on your hand and you notice it and, and you don't pay much attention to it. And the next day you go out there and it's a little bigger and you go and show it to your wife. And she says, well, um, you may, we might want to look at that. We might want to keep an eye on that. And as things go along the next day, something else starts to pop up. And, and now these sores begin to get bigger. And after a little while... They begin to ooze a little bit. And your wife says, well, you need to go show yourself to the priest. Because the law commanded that if you had a, a disease or you thought you had a disease, you'd show yourself to the priest. And, and, and so you, 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 you decide one day, well, it's, it's, this is bad enough. I need to go show the priest. And so you went down to, to, to the priest and you showed yourself to the priest. And the priest said, we need to put you in isolation for 14 days and to see what happens. So the, the priest takes you and... Put you in isolation for fourteen days to monitor your symptoms and to, to find out exactly what's going to take place and, and after fourteen days, the priest would come back and reexamine you, and, and if he re-examined you and found that the disease not only hadn't gotten better but it grew worse, and he'd say, "Now you have leprosy and, and when you heard those words called over you the the, 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 the the sudden sense of doom and gloom, and, and you knew what that meant because at that time, immediately the priest would take you and... You would be put into exile you couldn't say goodbye to your your wife or your husband you couldn't say goodbye to your children and you knew exactly about the time that this would take place the life expectancy of a leopard would, of, of someone leprosy would be somewhere of nine years at the top end and so you knew the time started ticking in your life you you knew the proverbial mental picture of the the hourglass being flipped over in your mind and you begin to see the sands of time begin to slip from from your fingers because you knew this was it. And now no longer could you see your family, but now your kids visit you, visited you, but they could only visit you from afar off. They'd leave you some food. They'd leave you some notes, but there was no longer the ability to touch them, to hug them, to hold them, to kiss them. And now suddenly you've got all this uncomfortable sores that are seeping from your body you you begin to feel uncomfortable you begin to hurt there's certain things you can't do anymore and then on top of that people that had leprosy stunk because the flesh literally was beginning to rot and so the smell of rotting flesh would begin to begin to create an incredibly strong odor and it got to the point where in the law stated you couldn't even sit down on a rock you couldn't even sit on a rock because the law said if you sit on the rock, someone that didn't have leprosy may have come along and sit on the same rock. So you couldn't even go anywhere where the normal people went. And on top of that, you couldn't even drink. You couldn't drink from the same streams. You couldn't drink from the same water sources. Your world became isolated and cut off because of... This disease. It was no longer your choice. It was no longer what you wanted to do. It was no longer your ability to choose. You were at the mercy of this disease. And wherever this disease would take you, that's what you had to deal with. You were at the mercy of leprosy. That was the first type that was dealt with in Leviticus 14. The second type that began to deal with at the latter part of Leviticus 14 the, the King James says leprosy of the house that if your house got leprosy but if you study that out and actually some other translations give the more modern interpretation of that the leprosy of the house is mold and if you know anything about mold and and, and you can read about this and the US, that's that's one of the one of the A big problems in America is mold. It leads to a lot of chronic problems, chronic diseases, respiratory issues. I'll never forget my wife and I had bought a house that was that was originally built in the in the in the uh, fifties when we first we first got married. We built this we bought this old house and and uh, when we we had a little bit of money, we were able to remodel the first floor, but we didn't have the money to remodel the to do anything with the with with what was left of the basement, a small basement. And so after about four or five years of living there, we decided we finally had a little bit of money and we were going to redo the basement and, and kind of make it into something usable. So there was a, a room at the bottom of the steps and and not to bore you with the details of my construction projects, but when we built, when we, we did a little bit of remodeling when we first got in the house, we we tore out most of the old stuff, but in the basement we left this one area untouched because it was just we didn't need it. We weren't using it. We really didn't have the money, so we just kind of left it as is. It happened to be the place at the bottom of our steps, but we, at the time we didn't have kids, and, and the only thing down there of use was our, was our uh, ever-flooding laundry room that kept flooding and leaving our our basement with inches of water. So we really never went down there, but finally we got decided, what my, our daughter was coming along, and we knew we, we, we probably should use this area, so we got some money together. So we went down there, and we began to tear off the drywall that was in this little room, and, and, and I don't know when it had been placed down there. My guess, it'd been, it had been a while, because I'll never forget the moment, I was not prepared for this, but I'll never forget the moment where we reached up and we began to begin to rip the, the first parts of the drywall down. When we ripped the drywall, on the back side of the drywall, there was so much mold that it actually had turned to powder. And when you pull the drywall down, literally the whole room filled with, with this mold dust. It was, a very, it was a scary moment. We began to pull that down and we got all this and we realized... All of this, this from, from floor to ceiling in this room, about uh, 15 linear feet of wall was covered, eight feet tall, totally with black mold. We didn't even know it. Had no clue it was there. It was there undetected. It was sitting there with, with, hidden. No one knew it was there. And we realized if that would have gone on and left there, it would have caused major problems down the road. Years ago, in case you, you're you new here, and I say new, that means within the last 10 years, 11 years, going on. Actually, we're heading towards uh, uh, the 12th. I don't know if you want to call it an anniversary, the 12th year. 12 years ago, coming in February, if you notice over to the left here, or your left, my right, there's a big slab. Twelve years ago, we had what was considered at the time the snow of the century that came along and dumped masses of amounts of snow on both buildings. And the building that was over there was a little little skinnier than this, but much longer. And you can see kind of the footprint of that building, and and eventually caused that building to collapse under the snow. In fact, this building was was took uh, a, a huge hit, and and just those of you that know this it's a fascinating fact right over here in this only in this section of the roof not the whole roof because the wind blew all the snow over here on this section of the roof they took off 63 tons of snow on that section of the roof that's so much snow so it had collapsed the snow and and the building was obviously exposed and and we were in the middle of trying to do some things and and before we were able to totally demolish it there was there was a period of time that was that the building was left exposed to the elements, and I'll never forget one of the last times that I walked down through that building. It had been it had been a couple of months after it had collapsed, and for most places, from the floor to midway up, there was a kaleidoscope, a rainbow of colors that were growing on the wall. All I didn't know mold grew in that many different colors, but it started to do. We know from from a from a standpoint. None of us wants mold in our house. And so in Leviticus 14, God gives this incredible detail of how to handle mold in your house. Did you know the Bible tells you how to handle mold? It says, call the priest. Don't call me to come handle your mold. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. There's some things we got to bring to speed here. But it tells us. So it tells us how to deal with leprosy. And if you begin to think about it for a moment, if you allow me to, there is a comparison between leprosy and sin. We can, we can see the parallels here between leprosy and sin in the Bible. Allow me for a moment to give you some comparisons. First of all, both are incurable. In, in, in biblical times, leprosy was an incurable thing. Once you had it, it was a, it was a, it was a death sentence. According to, according to Scripture, if you have sin in your life, it is a death sentence. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says. But the Bible goes on to say in Romans, for the wages of sin is what? Death. So both are incurable. Number two, both have a numbing effect on its, on its victim. Because you see, after a while, the leprosy began to eat on your extremities and you would lose feeling on certain areas. and wouldn't begin to feel and smell and taste like you used to. The same effect that sin has because it all starts out, you know, the first time you do something, you get that check. You step away for a moment. You think about it. But you don't deal with the symptom. You don't deal with the symptom. You don't deal with the cause And so you find yourself back doing this thing again, but now you can go a little step farther. We didn't feel so bad this time. And you find yourself getting deeper and deeper, and then you start playing the the, the mental gymnastics. Well, you know, maybe it's not that bad because if it was that bad, the Lord would strike me down. And if he hadn't struck me down yet, it can't be that bad. So maybe it's not wrong after all. So you become more numb and more numb. And more numb. And next thing you know, you're, what used to affect you no longer affects you. What used to bother you no longer bothers you. Both leprosy and the sin, and both leprosy and sin destroy lives. Both leprosy and sin cause separation. I find this to be interesting. Both leprosy and sin have a new name. You know, they no longer in the U.S. use the term leprosy. It's called the Hansen disease. Because they turned the name into something else because they didn't want the stigma of leprosy anymore. And so they called it a different name. It's still leprosy, but now it's the Hanson's disease. It sounds a lot like people are doing nowadays. It's no longer homosexuality. It's an alternative lifestyle. It's no longer lying, it's just exaggerating or stretching the truth. It's no longer pornography, it's adult entertainment. It's no longer lust, it's ambition. It's no longer profanity, it's salty language. Why? Because we're trying to we're trying to turn different term because if we use the right term, then it stings a little bit. So we're going we're to change it a little bit. It, it, it's not no longer drug and alcohol addiction. It's a disease. It, it's, it's no longer choices we make. It's, 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 well, this is that and that's that. And all of a sudden now we're, we're finding different ways to label things because if we label it the real thing, then we realize we have to face it. And if we can somehow calls it a different way and choose a different way, then we don't have to face it. And we can say it's no longer this, it's that. And and now churches have gone to great length to try to convince people across pulpits now that really God doesn't care anything about what you do as long as you just love Him and you're a good person. That's a lie from the book of hell. It's not about perfection. God's not asking anyone in this room to live a perfect life, to dot every I and cross every T. God's not looking for you to walk around in some holy attitude. That's not it. We're all sinners. We all need grace. We all need mercy. But the fact of the matter is, if it was sin 2,000 years ago, it's still sin today. If the Bible says, thou shalt not do this, it doesn't mean today just because we have computers and the Internet and all kinds of crazy technology that somehow we're above... The word of God. Homosexuality is still homosexuality. It doesn't matter what the law says. Adultery is still wrong. Fornication is still wrong. It doesn't matter, folks. We can say what it has. We don't have a label problem. We've got a sin problem. But how does all this begin? I don't think anybody in this room ever gets up and just says, you know what, I, I, just, I, I really want to just see my life go down the tubes. <whistles> like anyone got up and said, you know what, today, what do you like to do today? Well, I would like to go out and like to plow the field. I'd like to check on the crops, and if I have some time, I'd like to see if I could get leprosy. Yeah. <laughs> it happened. It started small. It didn't start, your, your nose and your ears didn't fall off the first day. It started small. It's a lot like what we deal with in our lives a lot of our issues could have been dealt with in the beginning a lot of things that become this mushroom cloud in our lives that we look up in horror at what it's become could have been dealt with in the beginning i can easily dig up an oak when it's an acorn but it takes some serious heavy equipment to take down an oak when you've let it grow for hundreds of years and so, when we allow things to fester and to sit in our lives, when we allow unforgiveness and, and, and we allow grudges to sit in our lives and fester, and we can kind of go through the mental gymnastics of saying, well, that's not a big deal, that's not really a big deal. You know, I, I, I'm justified because this was done and that wasn't done. And we allow that to sit in our lives. It's okay when it's a little dot. It's okay when it's a little speck, but, but now as it begins to grow and begins to mature in our lives, now we've got ears falling off, noses falling off, fingers that are becoming numb, feet that don't work anymore, and now we're becoming isolated from others, and if we feel like our life is going down and being crumbled, where did it all happen? It happened in the very beginning. I'm going to Norway in a couple of months, a couple of, about about a month to do their national conference, and and uh, I'm going back to uh, the city of Oslo. I haven't been there in years. Last time I went to Norway a couple of years ago, I went to the southern part, and I'm going to Oslo. And uh, there, several years ago, if you remember on the news, there was a there was a man I can't pronounce his name. I forgot it, but it, you can look it up on on online. There was they were having this uh, uh, kind of political party this political camp for young people out on this island just off outside of Oslo this man came and posed as a police officer and what he had done was very 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 sadistic in his planning he had set off bombs in the city that was just you could you could still see the city from the island he set off bombs in the city and and when the bombs went off and you could see the smoke and you and the terror of that bomb going off begin to begin to echo and ripple throughout the, the population eventually got to the island, he goes out to the island dressed as a policeman to provide comfort and safety for those that are out there. Come to find out he wasn't a policeman at all. He was only in disguise, and he pulls out automatic weapons and begins to shoot people that are running towards him for safety. I believe, if I'm correctly, and maybe you know this off the top of your head, I believe it was well over 60 people. I want to say 69 is a number, but I may be mistaken. It was over 60 people that he killed, and it was the worst disaster, worst, worst mass murder of that type in, in recorded in, in, our, in our modern history. And and so they they, they brought him to, to justice and and um and they had two psychologists that examined him. One that examined him right when he came in and, and this guy examined him and said, Look, he's got mental problems, he's schizophrenic and all this paranoia schizophrenia and all this. But then they had right before the trial, they had another psychologist examine him. And and this guy concluded, and I'm giving you the cliff notes of the cliff notes of the cliff notes, but basically, this guy concluded there's nothing wrong with him. He's become narcissistic, but there's nothing wrong with him. What happened in him happened a long time ago. And this is only the culmination of events that took place long, long ago. I have never imagined a human being can get to the point that they can do that. You don't just wake up one day and get to that place, folks. That happens. That happens when you allow things in your life to go unattended and you don't deal with them. And what was an acorn begins to sprout and what was a sprout begins to grow and now you got a 6-foot tree and an 8-foot tree and a 10-foot tree and a 20-foot tree and now you're standing back and you go, how did I get this 200-foot tree in my life? You got it because you never dug out the acorn. And so God begins to talk to Le- in Leviticus begins to give detail about how to take place. How how do you deal with this in your life? And and there was two parts to Leviticus fourteen. The first part came when a a a, a leper uh, someone with leprosy was 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 uh, was miraculously healed. How do you handle that? And the back half of it was was the was mold in the house. But both of them had the same components of how you deal with these things and those same components are how we are to deal with things in our life the first thing and the first thing that comes in both instances was you had to have a blood sacrifice both instances there had to be a blood sacrifice that had to be given in order for cleansing to come in one instance i believe in the in the in the in the in the case of the of the of someone who was miraculously killed, uh, cured of leprosy, it was two pigeons. One was killed, and the other one was taken out to the field. And the one with the that was killed, that blood was sprinkled upon the one that was living, and he was let go. And that was a sign that that disease was leaving the area. But without the blood sacrifice, there was nothing that could be done in the cleansing, because the Bible says, "Without the shedding of blood." There is what? No forgiveness of sins. But there's something that happens in Leviticus 14 that I want to draw your attention to today, and I'm not going to be much longer, but I think it's very fascinating. There's there's a phrase that's used in the Bible, in the King James Bible, there's a phrase that's used seven times. Six times happened to be in Leviticus, one time is in Numbers, so a total of seven times. But of these seven times... This phrase is used five times in the book of Leviticus, chapter 14. Five times. And it's a phrase that if you look at it at first, when you're reading through it, you kind of skip past it because you've got to stop for a moment and realize why this phrase is there. But the phrase is running water. Not water, but specifically running water. And the Bible goes through, and God gives instructions to Moses in Leviticus 14, and he says, you've got to have a sacrifice of blood, but you also have to have some running water. Because if all you have is blood with no running water, you have no sanctification. You've got to have running water, with the blood, in order for sanctification to take place, not just water. Running water. In fact, I, 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 if I can remember the date, I, I, my brain is foggy today. It was like in the 1800s. There was a there was a, a doctor that was that was uh, in in the in the 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 uh, birthing ward of a hospital, and he noticed that there was a significant amount of deaths that were taking place from children dying and he began to observe what was going on. And he realized that, that the mothers and, and the, the babies that were being born, that were dying at, a, at an alarming rate. And he noticed that the doctors would go and they would deal with one patient with a disease or someone that's dying. And they'd go straight from there and they would go and they would deal with the mother that was being birthed. And they would carry the same disease or what they would do is they would go and they would wash their hands, but they'd wash their hands in a stagnant bowl. And so they would dip their hands, but they wouldn't clean out the bowl. So the next guy comes along, he washes his hands. Hey, everything looks clean to me. All of a sudden, now you're carrying these things farther and farther because, you see, stagnant water is a breeding ground for filth what can be incredibly refreshing to all of us on a hot day, nobody wants to drink out of a puddle that's been sitting there for months. Nobody wants to drink out of a stagnant, still pond that has no inflow, that has no outflow, that's just stagnant. Why? Because things inside that pond begin to die, begin to rot, begin to smell. And what could be so refreshing to all of us, so life-giving, so so much energy, so much refreshment that comes from, from running water, becomes this breeding ground of death and disease. And so in Leviticus 14, God says to Moses, When you have a problem internally and you need to get sanctified you've got to have two things you've got to have a blood sacrifice and you've got to have running water because if all you ever do is get the sacrifice but you don't have the water running through you you can't get sanctified from the disease so Jesus in John chapter 7 stands up at the water libation ceremony at the temple. And I wish I had time to tell you what that is. I preached about it months ago. But he stands at this ceremony that's celebrating water. And he stands up to, to the crowd and he says, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Out of, everybody say, out of, not into, but out of your innermost being, your belly shall flow what? Rivers. What is a river? A river is running water. A river is not stagnant. A river is not something you fill up one time and you walk away and say, well, once filled, always filled. But a river is something that's got a source and it's got an outflow. If you only have a source with no outflow, you're going to become stagnant. If you've got no inflow and you've got an outflow, you've got to become empty. You've got to have the inflow and you've got to have the outflow so that you can stay refreshed. And so when he said, every man that come unto me, let him drink because out of his belly shall flow water. He didn't say water. He wasn't talking about projectile water coming out. He could have just said, out of your belly shall flow water. Wow, that's awesome. Why do I want water coming out of my belly? No, he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Not just water, but rivers of life-giving, energy-giving, strength-giving, hope-giving. Water shall flow out of your innermost being. Verse 39 says this, He spake of the Spirit which was not get given. So He tied... We're going to go full circle here and land the plane. He tied the idea between running water, rivers flowing out of us, as a, as a symbol, as a word picture for you and I to understand and have when it comes to receiving the Holy Ghost. If all you ever have done is in, is is have an inflow. You've never had an outflow. You haven't received the Holy Ghost. Because the sign in John seven or John seven thirty seven was out of, not into, out of. There's a lot of sincere people all over this nation that have had the into experience. But the into experience won't save you. It's only the out of experience that will save you. You can have the into all you want, but the into only leaves you wanting to get more. But when you have the into, which leads to the out of, then you got something. Because the into makes you A container, but the out of makes you a conduit. The into gives you only a little bit of God, but the out of gives you all of God. So he gives this great visual picture. Out of your river. Shufflow rivers. He knew he was talking to, he was talking to the group that understood. The law, he was talking to the group that knew everything about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. The group that had the Torah literally written in their mind. Some of them could almost quote all five books. And when he said rivers of living water, they knew he was referring back to some running water that took place. Because you see, if you don't have running water in your life, you're going to have a problem. If you don't have running water in your life, There are going to be some things that are going to begin to grow inside of you, some some mold, some leprosy of the house. It may not be a big deal right now. You may be sitting here today saying, preacher, I don't know what you're talking about. You're wasting my time. There's nothing going on in my life. I'm a good person. Everything in my life is great. Yes, 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 it is. But behind a wall somewhere, maybe in the closet, maybe in the bedroom, maybe in the kitchen, maybe in the bathroom. But there's a wall in your heart somewhere that behind it, there is some things that have Beginning to grow and beginning to creep, and you may never see them, you may never find them, but the effects are going to begin to seep out of that wall, are gonna to begin to cause problems in your life. You may not have that problem today. You may say, you know what, but you see, a lot of people think, well, you, you know, all you all you believe, all you all oh, you uh, 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 apostolic Pentecostals, all you want to do is just get people speaking in tongues. That's all you care about. No, 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 no. no. You're, you're missing the whole point. It's not speaking in tongues doesn't save you. I can go, la, 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 ba, all I want and go save me. I don't speak in tongues to save me. I speak in tongues because I have the Holy Ghost flowing in me. It's like I don't eat for me to live I eat because the food inside of me gives me the nutrients and the, and the necessary vitamins minerals so I can live it's not about speaking in a tongue for the sake of just making a lot of gibberish and racket you, I said this before and I like to say this a lot you can speak in tongues until you have an accent and it's not going to save you but the fact of the matter is, what's what's what 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 concerns me today, and this is where we're going today, and I'm closing with this, is Paul said this way. Paul said, "I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all." That's what Paul, the apostle Paul, says. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Do you think Paul said that because he wanted to be holy and righteous and 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 walk around with his with his nose in the air saying, how good am I? How how much better am I than all you? No, 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 no. Paul understood. If I let the water of life in me get stagnant, it's going to kill me. The Bible says, how can sweet water and bitter water flow from the same source? And I'm I'm sad to say today that there are some of you that Come here every week that truly don't have a flow of God in your life, yeah, you worship well and you lift your hands and and yeah, yeah, you feel God every once in a while, and if the song is really good, you may tap your foot and if, and if, and if if, if I, I or somebody else who's preaching says something you may like, we, we may get a, he, a, a Baptist head nod out of you every once in a while. We might get something good. And, and that's awesome. And, and that's, that's good. And, and you've compartmentalized God into this, this little box and you live in it. And now, you know, it, you've found other sources of light. Because really, you know what? You know what? If you've been to places where when I've, when I've gone overseas to third world countries, I don't drink water. I don't drink the water. Coke is, I don't drink Coke here a lot. I've, uh, for the last couple of years especially, I've pretty much gone almost all off sodas. I drink it very, on very few occasions. I drink a lot of water. But when I go overseas, Coke is like heaven. Because it's the safest thing you can drink. I've nipped ne- ne- to this point. The Lord has been very merciful and gracious to me. And all my travels and some of the some of the places I've been to that, I prefer never to go back again. I've never gotten sick. The Lord has been great, gracious to me and Coca-Cola has saved me. In fact, there was a couple of times I almost wanted to brush my teeth with Coke because you don't even want to put... I'm serious. That's how bad the water is. I'm telling you. There's nothing more dangerous. And I mean this. And this is a little tip. If you ever go to a thorough country, there's nothing more... You don't have to worry about the robbers. You don't have to worry about the carjackers. You don't have to worry about anything else. The water is the most dangerous thing. Even ice in your drink can put you a place where you don't want to go. And something that, is, that, that for me is so refreshing, the wrong place can be so internally damaging. You know what? For some of you, there's some things that you are allowing in your life to begin to grow. Some unchecked things. Some unchecked areas. And I feel like in the Holy Ghost today that the Lord has come to say, listen, I'm willing today to help you get free from these things before they mushroom into something you don't want them to do. But you've got to have two things. You've got to have a blood sacrifice and you gotta have some running water you see that's why a lot of us and Trish would you come that's why a lot of us we sincerely don't want to do certain things you know we've ever been there and, and, and I don't wanna pick on you so just answer rhetorically don't give me an honest answer don't want them to know what you think but you ever been somewhere and you're like you know what I don't want to do this anymore I want to stop this and you get that that you get you get down in that that pious attitude and sincerity but but you really are sincere and you're God Forgive me. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this. I'm sorry. And you mean it. You feel it. And you honestly think that's the end of it. Only to wake up the next morning and repeat it all over again. There is nothing more frustrating. I got to admit to you. Maybe you don't feel this way. There's nothing more frustrating than wanting to stop and not being able to stop. Drives crazy. Because there's like this internal war inside of you. One side saying, what are you doing? The other side saying, I don't know. And you feel internally pulled. And you know what? This is my answer the Lord gave me. I found the answer for me. Because you know the problem was? I was sincerely going to God. God. I was asking for forgiveness. I was receiving the blood sacrifice. But I wasn't restoring the flow of running water in my life. So the problem was, I, I got the blood sacrifice applied, but I never got the disease that was there. So I'd get this wall cleaned and washed and freshly painted. But I forgot over there, there's another wall where it was growing. But to truly allow God to come in my life and to wash me, cleanse me, but not just that from His bloodstain, but to bring a fresh restoration, rest, restoring in my life. I'll never forget. Years ago, I had, I was struggling, and I. I was struggling with some sin in my life. Some things in my life that were, that were wrong, sinful things. I was struggling with them. And uh, they'd, begin, they'd begun to mushroom out in my life. The cloud began to billow and now there were people, victims being pulled into my destructive patterns. I'll never forget. The bishop sat me down and began to talk, and he said this to me. At the time, I didn't want to hear this, and I didn't agree with him, but I have to say now, he was totally right. He said, you know what? You don't have a sin problem. You've got a God problem. I was like, what do you mean i got a God problem? I'm praying every day, God, forgive me, stop doing... He said, no, no, no. Sin is not your problem. You've got a God problem. You've got a relationship problem. At first, I thought, well, that's dumb. I I got a relationship, right? I'm praying every day. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. That's a good... Hey, I'm praying to God. Isn't isn't that right? No, tell me how to get over the sin. When I get over the sin, then I can fix the relationship. I'm going to say that again. You missed that. Let me get over the sin and then tell me how to fix the relationship. No, 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 no. You're not getting it. The sin's not the problem. The relationship is the problem. You've stopped the flow somewhere. And because you stopped the flow, now you've got a sin problem. The sin's not the problem. The relationship's the problem. Fix the relationship, the sin problem will take care of itself. Hey. You know what? He was right. Because it is a relationship problem in here today. You've got things in your life you're struggling with. It's not a drug problem. It's not an alcohol problem. It's not fornication problem. It's not this problem, lust problem, greed problem. It's that relationship problem. If you can get the relationship flowing in your life, not saying you become perfect, not saying you don't have sin, not saying you don't fall into things and have temptation. The Bible says every man is tempted when he's drawn away. But when I have relationship with him and he's flowing through me and I've got that running water, all the junk that wants to stay in my life gets washed away, washed away. There's nothing that can cling under the walls of my heart. There's no, there's no bitterness, unforgiveness, sin, spirits that can grab onto the lining of my heart and say, we're going to stay here. Because you know what? When you get water flowing enough, it'll blow everything out. You know, they make nowadays water jets so powerful, they cut through steel like butter. Water. Nothing in them, just water that's so concentrated and so coming out at such a high rate, they cut through steel like butter. That's the power of water that runs you got things in your life today you seemed that you're not able to get past. You need some running water, folks. You don't need me to say, Thou shalt not do this, and thou shalt not do that, and this is this, and this is that, and you need to stop doing that, and you need to go there and stop doing... You don't need me to do that because you know what you start doing? You get your checklist out. All right, well, I'm not doing that. Check, not doing that. Check, not doing that. Check, not doing that. Check, well, I'm going to heaven now because I'm not doing all this. No, no, no. The fact of the matter is, Relationship right, everything else falls in place. I'm challenging someone today, through the help of the Lord. Somebody needs to get your relationship with God in check. Somebody needs to restore that flow of the relationship with God again. It's not an Antioch problem. It's not because somehow Antioch's no longer this and I don't get the same thing and church is not longer this and they don't do this and they don't do that and so I need something else in my life. No, 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 no. You need a relationship with God that flows in your life. You don't just need the sacrifice of Calvary but you need the running water of His Spirit in your life. Can you stand today? This is what I challenge you to do today. I challenge you this in the Holy Ghost. I challenge you, check your pond. Check the condition of your pond today. Is it a pond or is it a river? And you know how you can tell that? By the flow that's in your life. By the flow of God that's in your life. No flow? You've got problems. You've got a flow? You've got very little problems. Why? Because God continues to wash us. Every day, renewed, day by day. The Bible says, although the outward man perishes, the inward man is what? Renewed, day by day. day why? because there's a fresh flow in your life there's some of you I feel so broken and burdened for you because I've seen and watched life suck out of you and and yeah circumstances and things have changed and and stuff has happened but the biggest reason it's been sucked out because the flow has stopped in your life it's hard to pray You don't worship like you used to. And and, and yeah, you can still speak in tongues, but there's no real flow there in your life. Running water. I challenge you today. Seek the source of running water. Seek the source. Let that water flow through you again. You've got fear. You've got torment. You've got doubt. You've got worry. You've got things in your life. Let the water flow through you. Let that water flow through you. Let that that life-giving water flow through you. Right where you are for a moment, can you just close your eyes and lift your hands? And can we just talk to the Lord for a moment any way you feel to do? But come on, can you say, Lord, I know there's some things in my life that I've probably strayed from. There's some things that, that I've allowed to fester in my heart. But God, I'm praying today, Lord, restore. Restore to me joy of my salvation restored to me god that fresh connection the relationship oh take me back to that place god where i first found that river Take me back to that place where I first tasted of the river for the first time and I felt the peace and I felt the hope and I felt the love and I felt the strength come through for the very first time. Lord, I want that. I want to feel that again. I've strayed from that somewhere. It's become stale and stagnant and bitter water. But God, I need fresh water. I need fresh water. I need that fresh water to flow in my life, God. Don't let me stay in this stagnant stream. But God, let there be a fresh river that flows in my life today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Can you just take a moment, reach over next to somebody for just one moment. Grab them by the hand, put your hand on their shoulder. Let's pray one for another. Come on, the Lord is in this place. Come on, let that river flow for a moment. Come on let that river flow just for a moment come on just 60 seconds oh yes jesus jesus name lord let your spirit flow through this place let the river of your spirit flow to this place. Let the river of your spirit flow to this place. Let the river of your spirit flow. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, wash us. Wash us and regenerate us, renew us. I want to be. I want to be. I Jesus. I I want to be. Oh, Jesus. I Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh I need a cleansing from the fountain. From the fountain. My soul is with him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. In the blood of the thank you, Jesus. If you need to go, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Make sure you greet somebody on your way out. Praise God.